Hey everyone, welcome to Locked on Lakers for Monday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. The Lakers have signed Spencer Dinwiddie. Is there anyone else on the buyout market that's worth grabbing? That's next. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Locked On Lakers first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how or where you get your podcasts. It's always going to be free and never put you behind a paywall. And Locked On Lakers on YouTube is going to be where you can find 23,000 subscribers, all of whom are wondering what Spencer Dinwiddie is going to look like in a Lakers uniform. Uh, the Lakers officially signed the former Nets, former Mavs, former... Who well, I have a few teams now. He had a brief. Uh, I believe he had a brief period with the Pistons, like a like a like a cup of coffee with the Pistons. He wasn't playing much. Detroit, Brooklyn, Washington, Dallas, Brooklyn, right. again. Oh, Washington, where he uh, openly. Game. Yeah, I was gonna say he openly feuded with Kyle Kuzma. Yeah, um, they didn't like about that sweater. It was probably about the sweater. Um, so. It is a big move for the Lakers. They announced it over the weekend. They signed him with the remainder of their uh, mid-level exception, which they had a little bit extra. This was a good move by management uh, by reserving some back with the Gabe Vincent signing that gave them a little more money to to give to Dinwiddie, who was no question the um, the best name on the buyout market. He is the you know or guys who are expected to eventually reach the buyout market. Um, with, I guess, perhaps you could argue Kyle Lowry, but that was a foregone conclusion that were he to be released, and he was, and once he clears waivers, he's going to Philly, and that was that was a done deal. So um, this it's a big move for the Lakers. Like they were silent at the trade deadline; they did not make any moves, but then they turn around very quickly and acquire Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, your thoughts, because talented player, they add him to the roster. The fit isn't exactly something that fills uh, all the needs that the Lakers have. That, that's actually a good way of putting it because I, I don't think he's a bad fit for the Lakers. I actually think the fit in a vacuum is fine. And, you know, especially with Gabe Vincent's return TBD, if at all, and to whatever degree you even want Max Christie handling the ball, we, we're not sure how long he's going to be sidelined with that ankle injury, to the best of my knowledge, there's been no update from the Lakers. Um, to whatever degree you're comfortable with you know, anybody else as ball handlers, the Lakers are short some, so they can use Dinwiddie's skill set. That being said, I would say if you were looking to address issues like in terms of, I don't know, most pressing needs, ball handling guard wouldn't be at the top of the need list, I would say like three and D wing skill set, or like even like three, you know, three slash four, those type of defenders, you know, if depending on how much you truly trust Jackson Hayes as a backup, mm -hmm. you know, maybe another option there. But I think in and of himself, Dinwiddie can actually provide some utility for this team. And I don't see any reason that he can't play a role. It's just a question of whether or not. Right. He would have been more helpful than, say, Dorian Finney-Smith. 
but right and you know it could, would you have been better off and i i think these are are things that are independent of each other like you know who yeah. um you know the lakers didn't make a move at the deadline i don't think it was because they expected to acquire spencer dinwiddie um you know the the one doesn't necessarily have to do anything with the other it's funny like because dinwiddie is a guy who on in some ways he has very obvious flaws um he has tended to be a low efficiency scorer you know as a guy who can play he can certainly put the ball in the basket but he has been a low efficiency guy um has had moments of pretty good three-point shooting and moments of a very poor three-point shooting. He's a career 33% uh, uh, shooter from distance. This year in Brooklyn, he's been awful um, in reasonable volume, almost six a game, shooting 32%. Um, last year in Brooklyn, he was uh, under 30%, but in Dallas, um, you know, for the, the Dallas stretch last year, he was over 40. So there have been moments, it really seems a lot of, you know, depending on how much he's engaged in any particular season, um, there, the, the variance in his performance is so wide that I think you do have to chalk up some of these things less to luck and more to how much does Spencer Dinwiddie give a bleep in any given situation. And you would think that, that coming to this one off of that losing situation in Brooklyn, play with LeBron, play with AD, play back with, with D'Lo, who apparently has a pretty good relationship with, um, would be a place where he was engaged. So I would expect at least Andy, the numbers like the raw shooting numbers and things like that to go up over where they were relative to Brooklyn. Well, especially if, you know, the hypothesis that engagement played a big role in this, then yeah, you would expect him to be more locked in. Also, it is by definition, since he's a buyout guy, a contract year and yeah. Dinwiddie is 30. He's in his prime to whatever degree he can get whatever you define as a payday, like a full mid-level exception, something like that, he's going to need to really yeah. reestablish that value. And this is going to be a very high-profile place to do it. Um, I think I saw it was... Just, uh, just one more point about that. The shot quality is the other thing that I would think would, you know, playing on a better team in a winning situation with better players the shot quality will go up, which should also lift his percentages. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, that. Yeah, sure. No, absolutely. Um, you know, Lucas Kaplan, I saw for Nets Daily, he did a Q&A with silver screen and roll, just getting a lay of the land of Dinwiddie since he covered uh, that period with the Nets. And he said flat out that Dinwiddie was completely checked out this year. And you know, on one hand, if you want to say that that's a knock against Dinwiddie's professionalism, fine. But the flip side is he also said that if if engaged and he expects that Dinwiddie would be engaged on this team, he can be a very good player. He can be a very crafty, clever scorer. Um, he he's somebody he, for example, I'm reading right now, he said he's a legitimate threat off the ball, if not necessarily a tremendous cutter and relocator, but can certainly knock down spot up threes. And while he assumes more pick and roll handling, he's quite capable of reading the low man. I know his errant lobs go viral, but he'll almost always make the right decision in pick and roll in March and April last season as the undisputed primary ball handler for Brooklyn. The man averaged 10.2 assists to 2.1 turnovers. That is very, very good. And yeah. Kaplan also pointed out, and this was something that I saw, uh, I want to say uh, Tim over at uh, Granger's McBasketball over at um, 
Lakers, Lakers exceptional that podcast, yeah. point out that Dinwiddie might allow Reeves to start doing a little bit less in the best possible way for Austin Reeves, where he can go back to not quite being the glue guy where he excelled last year, but a little bit closer to that role where he isn't just where he isn't overburdened in the asks beyond what he's capable of doing. Right. It's it's interesting. Now, we'll talk about this a little bit more after the break. And by the way, we're we're going to uh, put together the plan is to put together our own scouting report for Tuesday uh, with Adam Armbrecht from Locked On Nets, uh, who's been on the show uh, a couple times. And always a great guest. We'll get yes. a, a much more um, uh, detailed scouting report than than even what we're doing right here um, uh, on Dinwiddie for tomorrow. That's the plan. But I, what I think is is fascinating about this signing, and I'm I'm sort of agnostic i guess is, is a word for dinwiddie but i think there are some quiet and subtle ways that while he doesn't fill in gaps like he's not a great defender for example um he could allow the lakers to lean into strengths that will help them in ways that could kind of help the overall product so i'll explain what i mean by that next Locked on Lakers is brought to you by LinkedIn. And when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals who are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. And it's not just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of over a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. LinkedIn does all that while making the job process intuitive and easy. Hiring is simple when you have that many quality candidates. In fact, it's so easy. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Think about that. Finding who you need the first time around within a day, it gives you that much more time to focus on the big picture goals for your business in 2024. LinkedIn even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process easier and quicker. 2.5 Million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. So post your job at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA for free. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So, you know, if you look at it, like, you know, what are the Lakers missing? You know, high volume three point shooting, particularly in the front court. You know, I mean, obviously, D'Lo and Reeves. And in LeBron, but like you know, could they could they use and, another and Prince Torian Prince gives yeah, it to him, you know. But now as a as a bench player, you know his role is a little different. The volume becomes a little different. Whatever, you know, could they use another big who can stretch a floor and have a little gravity and so? Yes, they could. Dinwiddie is not really that guy in the backcourt. He is somebody that I think the opponent uh, would prefer if he's going to be shooting the ball that he's taking three pointers, unless he's you know, getting in one of those heaters that has happened periodically in his career. I mentioned the 40% in Dallas, um, but that was really an outlier. For what <laughs> it's know, worth, though, really quick, for what it's worth, sure. um, his playoff numbers are actually better in terms of the scoring efficiencies than his mm -hmm. regular season. And from, I'm counting 27 games because the one in Detroit, he barely played at all. But 27 other playoff games, he averaged about 40% from behind the arc on almost five threes a game and shot about 
you know, a little, still not incredible efficiency overall, but it was better. And right. that that's at least worth noting just because sure. often, often, especially in the playoffs where, you know, it becomes more intense, scouting becomes a lot more drilled down. Sometimes you see guys, their, their percentages go down. Again, 27 games isn't a massive sample size, but to see Dinwiddie's, in particular from distance, actually go up a right. lot. We go 36, we went 38% in 2018, 2019 with the, the Nets, uh, 42% with Dallas in 21, 22, and then uh, 39% with Brooklyn in 22, 23. So, you know, these are short runs. The longest run of those was with Dallas um, in, in 21, 22. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, like that maybe factors into that how much. How engaged is Spencer Dinwiddie? And you can argue that those Detroit, uh, the uh, sorry, the the Dallas seasons were the parts where you were there were, the, were the, the best Dinwiddie you were getting. So you hope maybe that has something to do with what he's doing with the Lakers. Um, but what he can do, I think, is you know, you talk about that note about Austin Reeves, letting him go back to doing certain things. One of the things that this will allow the Lakers to do is not is to always have a real point guard on the floor. Um, whether it's Russell and Dinwiddie playing together, whether it's Reeves and Dinwiddie, Russell and Din, you know Reeves and you know, whatever, there's always going to be one, you know, true point guard, point guard uh, on the floor, and that allows Reeves to be both a connector to dish the ball, whatever, but went to put the ball on the floor with the sort of the the purpose of attacking, like in doing something where he doesn't mm -hmm. feel like he has to orchestrate the offense at the same time. Now, I know Lakers fans are going to be terrified of the Darvin Ham three-guard lineups and all these. So we'll see what, you know, Dinwiddie's 6'5". He's a big guard. Right. I mean, there are, I guess, possibilities of doing that without giving up tons and tons of size, depending on your opponent. Um, but, you know, I, I do think while minutes are going to be hard to kind of parse out, especially if Vincent eventually gets healthy, these are good problems to have, and um, I'd rather have more, too many talented players than not enough. The other thing he does, Andy, I think really well, that which kind of leans into strengths the Lakers have, is he gets to. He's a, he's probably the best now driver um, in the backcourt to the basket, yes. and he draws yes. a lot of fouls. Lakers, that is a strength of theirs, is getting the basket, drawing fouls, having that ratio that ticks off the entire NBA community. Um, and Dinwiddie, like I said, he will sort of help them lean into strengths. And while that is a different thing than filling in shortcomings, sometimes that's a good thing. Is If you can enhance your strengths, then that matters. Look, we, I'd mentioned before, like Dorian Finney-Smith, somebody who'd been connected to the Lakers through you know, trade rumors and stuff like that. And one of the consistencies that should be pointed out with Dorian Finney-Smith is that reportedly Brooklyn's price for him was very high. And if you believe these reports, I think you can argue that they were the price was higher than the Lakers yeah. should have been offering. But say somebody like Dorian Finney-Smith or Royce O'Neal, you can argue that those guys would have more directly filled a need for the Lakers. But in terms of a talent upgrade, you can argue that Spencer Dinwiddie is just in terms of talent, in terms of skilled basketball player, is about as good as anybody the Lakers could have realistically gotten around the deadline, yeah. certainly in the buyout market, but the deadline. Again, it's like it's one of these deals where you say, does he fill a need? No on the surface. He doesn't fill the biggest needs you have. 
but he fills small needs. Like he he improves the team because he allows, I, I think the biggest thing is he allows them to always have, they now have three really capable guards. Yeah, you know, D'Lo is playing fantastic ball. Reeves has quietly, I think, overcome that early slump and has generally, I think, played very. Even if it hasn't made the leap. This that with it's a, a real conversation, but his play has been good. It's just, you know, it, it's it's very much like what we were seeing last year um, in those you know good Reeves moments. And now you add Dinwiddie to that, and it's gonna be it's gonna take a second to figure out. What it looks like and what the minute, how the minutes are distributed, and what the and what the combinations are, but um, again, these are good problems to have. The other question I think you that you you kicked to me uh, before we we started, we were kind of planning out the show, is there are other names out there on the buyout market that um, the Lakers could go after, um, and whether or not it is worth dropping a player because they'd have to cut someone, um, whether that's you know Maxwell Lewis or you know uh, Reddish or Wood or Hayes, they'd have to cut someone. Um, is there anybody out there you think is worth it? Well, here are some of the names that are either officially waived or are expected to be on that market pretty soon. Marcus Morris, Joe Harris, Killian Hayes, Robin Lopez, Victor Oladipo, uh, Gallinari, uh, Korkmaz, Corey Joseph, Daniel House, Thad Young. I, I don't think there's anybody that uh, I'm missing or that, that's glaring out there that I'm missing that's expected to be bought out anytime soon. There are a couple that I think you could make an argument would be cut worth cutting a current Laker for and explain who I think some of those names are. Coming up next. Lockdown Lakers is brought to you by Nissan. And are you the kind of driver who likes to push things a little bit further? Ever wonder what adventure could be around the next corner? Our friends at Nissan have a lineup of SUVs with the capabilities to take your adventure to the next level. The 2024 Nissan Rogue is perfect for city drives, for great escapes. The classic exclusive Google built-in is your always updating assistant to call on for almost anything. And gone are the days of connecting your phone. Google Assistant, Google Maps, Google Play Store, they're built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment center, and that's a very big screen, easy to read. The 2024 Rogue, perfect mid-size crossover for your next adventure, and Nissan's incredible lineup also includes the 2024 Pathfinder. It has room up to eight, an expansive cargo capacity, advanced available 4x4 capability, and with 284 horsepower and up to 6,000 pounds of towing. I looked it up. It's basically the weight of a small elephant. So that is a lot that you can tow. A lot of capability right there. Take the Nissan Rogue, the Nissan Pathfinder, and the Nissan Armada and go on your next adventure. Shop NissanUSA.com. So typically, Andy, the Lakers don't cut players. Uh, they don't eat money um, to in any situation here. But um, they would have to do that for any of the players you listed. Yeah. Um, and along those lines, the only guys that I could see making an argument, cutting, I would say would either have to be Maxwell Lewis, just because the odds of him doing anything this season, much less in the playoffs, are very, very low. So as much as you might believe Zero. in him in a young prospect, you know, a young project, 
if you're thinking about the now, Maxwell Lewis does not factor into the now at all. Or I guess Christian would because he seems to continually fall out of favor. So it would be one of those two guys. I would not cut Cam Reddish for any of the guys I'm about to mention. I would not cut Jackson Hayes for any of the guys that I'm about to mention. Reddish and Hayes, not at all. Would Lewis I'd consider? The two guys that I would at least think about it for are Marcus Morris or Thad Young. Um, Morris, for what it's worth, there's a lot of expectation that he's going to join his brother in Dallas. Um, but were Morris available? I know he hasn't done a ton this year, but we are not far removed at all from Marcus Morris being a very productive, solid rotation player. He can help shore up the defense a bit, which this team certainly can use. He is a very established, credible outside shooter. I would be willing to, for this season, if you want to – I guess maybe try to go a little bit further all in than you, whatever they didn't do with the trade deadline. I would be willing to cut uh, Christian Wood or Maxwell Lewis, or at least consider it for Marcus Morris. The other guy I would at least think about it a little bit would be Thad Young. Mm-hmm. I would, I would, I mean, Young is towards the end of his career and he's looking at it at times, but he's somebody that he's got some size and he's experienced. You can plug him in any situation, he'll know what to do. Um, if you had to play him, if you needed some small ball center and wanted to try to take a little bit of that wear and tear off LeBron or Rui, but you wanted to put somebody out there, Thad Young is a legitimate option. Right. Those are the only two guys. Everybody else I listed, I wouldn't think about it at all. I mean, and and you know, Young is a uh, to say the least, not a floor spacer. Um, no. He is not going to. You know, he is uh, shooting seventeen uh, percent this year from three on three-tenths of a three-pointer per game. So yeah, he, he's never uh, been, he has never been a good three-point shooter. His high watermark he, a few years ago in Chicago, he was at about 35%. Um, but it's just it's not what he does. So, um, But I'm a huge Thad Young fan for kind of what you say. He's one of these guys who's going to come in and he's going to make good plays. He will you know, work hard defensively. He's a good rebounder. Like He just he can kind of do stuff. He's just a good basketball player. And you know, in these rare moments where he's had to play for Toronto um, this year and and really last, he always played well. You know, including high, against the Lakers. Yeah, high efficiency. You know, only takes good shots. Um, is he worth cutting Christian Wood? I mean, the you're not. It's not an apples to apples thing where you're cutting a center for a center so it could leave the Lakers. You're you're putting a lot of faith in the recent play of Jackson Hayes and keeping yeah. that sustainable. Um, and or just that you're going to probably have more small lineups. You know, he's six eight. Marcus Morris is six eight. That said, do you think, especially if Jared Vanderbilt's going to be gone? Let's say you you get the news that Vanderbilt's not going to be able to play for the rest of the year, or very close to it. Are you going to get more use out of Christian Wood or another six foot eight, you know, ish player? You know, can you play Thad Young enough? Is he mobile enough anymore? I'd have to, we'd have to ask some questions. Um, is he mobile enough defensively to, you know, play a switchy defense and things like that? Like, what are his limitations? He's 35 years old. You know, what are Morris's limitations? He's been terrible. Morris has been terrible this year. The flip side is he hasn't really had a chance to play. His his role with the Clippers has been drastically reduced over the last couple of years. But like you said, two years ago, he was a very productive member of that team. So, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'd have to think about it for both of them. I will say, none of the names really excite me um you know and if if we got the version of wood 
like the better versions of him from earlier in the season, I would keep that guy over any of the players on this list. Yeah. I mean, that's why I said with Young or Morris, I would consider it. Um, right. Particularly, too, if you if you really want to split the baby here and try to cover your bases as pragmatically as possible, you would cut Maxwell Lewis. Right. And, and, unless, unless there's salary discrepancies between Lewis and Wood, that would mean you have to cut Wood. And I don't know the answer to that. I, I don't but, think that. I think you, whoever you'd be getting, you'd be on a minimum deal. It would right. just be the amount of money that Lakers would be eating, really. It would right. be higher I, I with, get with, with, um, with Wood. With Wood. Yeah. I mean, Wood would be eating uh, about a mil and a half, probably more than uh, Maxwell Lewis. But if you, were, if you were looking to, I guess, be the most practical about it at all, you would forego whatever potential you see in Lewis and keep Wood, bring right. in – Morris or Thad Young is just seasoned veterans. They're the only two guys, though, on that list that I read that I would even consider at all. Yeah, it's, it, interest me. it's funny, too, because like this, this question, even more than the trade deadline, this question gets to if you have to cut a player, especially a prospect, and you know, Max Lewis is a long way from from contributing, but these guys are important for the pipeline. Like, look at the, sure. you know, the Lakers are are you know really counting on Max Christie going forward becoming a rotation caliber player. Um, and I think he's he's basically there. Um, and then over time you hope that evolves from rotation caliber player where you really tailor you know what you're asking him to do to his strengths to a guy who has more strengths now and can do a lot of different things. Um, you know Lewis is a much more raw prospect, but um, it's you know, you you hope that he too. I mean, he's got tons of athleticism, um, a lot of raw skill and stuff like that. You know, it's easy to turn around and say just get rid of these guys. But you know, Jalen Hood Shafino has played very well in the G League when he's finally getting a chance to play. Put up twenty eight the other night. They're like twenty eight, six, and seven. Um, like he's really playing well down there, and it is it is important for the Lakers to develop young players. Look at what it meant to have Reeves, and then have Reeves on this really good contract. And all that. like this is the type of thing that can tilt a roster. So, you know, do you get? Do, is Marcus Morris going to help you enough to to do that? Like, I am skeptical, and I'm certainly wondering if Marcus Morris would really be appreciably better than Christian Wood. I mean, or or Thad Young, who I again well, love. I, but also at age 35, what are, we, what are we really getting here? I mean, with Marcus Morris, it's not even necessarily a question of being better than Christian Wood. It's would he fill an area of need yeah, of more need. than Christian? Because they're they're different players. Like you're asking yeah. Marcus Morris to defend guys you'd never ask Christian Wood to. So it's right. really just vice versa. Right. Does he shore up an area of need more so than Christian Wood. That that's the yeah, I, I guess what I'm really thinking is like, you know, as like the trade deadline, you have to you know, there's that question that constantly came up of like how much is the team how much is worth sacrificing to make small improvements. And then really diagnosing is the thing that you're doing actually improving the team. I think you know part of what I was I you know, I, I did a lot of back and forth with a lot of people following the trade deadline about like someone like why didn't they do X, Y, and Z? And it gets to some of the things that we had been talking about on the show. It's like you can do stuff to do stuff, but you also do need to make sure that the trade you're doing makes you better. Mm -hmm. And if the Lakers, any situation where the Lakers are giving up multiple players, 
almost always meant that they were probably getting a little bit worse. Um, any situation where they were giving up multiple players and that pick or whatever it might be um, really starts to hamstring the uh, the ability of the team to improve in the offseason. And like I get it. We'll I guess we'll probably save some of this LeBron question for tomorrow. Um, but th- so much of that conversation is built around: Is LeBron going to punish the Lakers for not making a move this summer or for at the deadline? Well, maybe. But he could also punish them for not being able to make better moves in the off season. Um, you know, and I, I know his option gets picked up and all that, but. Teams have a pretty good idea, but by the time LeBron is going to have to make a decision about his option, he and the Lakers will have a pretty good idea of what they think they can do with their exceptions, with their draft picks, with their you know tradable assets and whatever. But you'd have less on the buffet table for if you'd made a big deal for Royce O'Neal. And I don't think Royce O'Neal was going to be the thing that keeps him around. Either LeBron is going to stay or he's going to go. Either he believes in the organization or he does not. And, you know, does, I mean, does Marcus Morris or something like that? I mean, I, I don't think these guys factor into that equation. I don't think. I could be wrong. I, we've talked about this before and I know we'll talk about it again. I also think. T- I don't want to be cavalier about the idea of LeBron leaving because it obviously matters. He's still LeBron James and still playing at a very high level and he still can help you win. But the reality is you're only going to be doing this for so much longer anyway. And as I've said before, building around LeBron at this stage of his career is not as practical a thing as it used to be. It's not as simple a thing as it used to be which, I mean, I guess it's never really been simple because he demands a lot. But I mean, as far as everything he brought to the table for a while as the undisputed best player in the league on both sides of the ball, you drop everything to work around that if you can because guys like that are, forget once in a generation, they're once in many generations. But in this case, LeBron's going to be 40 next year. And this relationship will only go on so much longer anyway. So the idea of him yep. walking this offseason, again, not saying it isn't a big deal because it is, but it doesn't frighten me because at some point he's going to be walking much sooner right. than later regardless. Yeah, I mean, you want, it to end, you want it to end in like a good way where like LeBron says, you know what, I'm going to – this is my last season. I want to play here or like I want to do – let's let's do a one-and-one one, one more time, but I – I don't think I'm going to be going much more than a couple more seasons. Whatever it might be, um, you want it to end well, but you also can't move heaven and earth to make it happen that way. So I don't think I, you I, can. I, I don't think you should. Yeah. Um, Unless right, so you we'll, think you are just right on the cusp of winning a championship. Like right. And, right. And, and I think that... There. You know, we'll talk about more tomorrow. But like The Lakers have quietly, through some of the controversy and through... like. The record over the last, you know, 12, 14 games, not bad. They're, nope. you know, have a chance to go into the all-star break on a pretty good note. You beat Detroit on um, Tuesday, and then, you you know, you beat Utah on Wednesday. Those are both winnable games. Um, and all of a sudden, you're, you're looking at something pretty positive, and you get the break. Mm-hmm. So it's too way too early to give up on this team. There's no question about that, but there still is a question of, you know, of resource allocation. So um, 
More to get into tomorrow on this. Uh, again, Adam Armbrecht from Locked on Nets. We're expecting to talk to him to get a really uh, good in-depth scouting report on Spencer Dinwiddie. So plenty to look forward to, plus all of those games this week as we get into the All-Star break. Locked on Lakers on YouTube. So we can go hang out with over 23,000 subscribers. Please add your name to that list if you haven't already. Uh, we'll see everybody tomorrow.